ecology. It's more than a philosophy, more than a psychology, more than just an ecology, bigger than biology, larger than anthropology, brushes against astrology. That's profocology. Praise the Lord. This is Master Prophet Ebernard joining your most trusted name in prophecy. And this is our very first podcast, and we're excited to come to you. And I was thinking that um, I was going to start regularly, start doing podcasts and um, getting information out into the community. And so we are going ahead and doing this. But on my very first podcast, I went thumbing through my phone, and then a man of God who I appreciate and we haven't sat down and had our intense conversation in probably over a year. But his name popped up and his phone number, and he happened to be one of the preachers that were available on a Sunday afternoon, and I'd have Sunday night and picked up his phone. He's Apostle Aura, Apostle Roger Collins, and um, a man of God. And his ministry um, is really powerful. He's an author, a humanitarian, a philanthropist, a teacher by God. He um, was raised in New York um, under an extremely strict apostolic tradition. We'll find out a little bit more about that. And Bishop Callan's ministry uniquely promotes reconciliation and redemption, which definitely crosses denominational and social lines. Dr. Callens is a student of God's word in the original language with a concentration on exegetical preaching and teaching with an emphasis on precision and homiletical clarity. Dr. Callens modeled a life of prayer and contemplation, study, discipleship, and evangelism. His God-given anointed, God, his, his, he's God-given, he's anointed to preach and teach from a psychological, theological platform opposed to arguing philosophical, theological church issues has strengthened and encouraged faith of people across the globe from New York to Miami, Canadian borders, and the likes. And um, so this is Apostle Collins. How are you doing, man of God? God bless you, Master Prophet. I'm doing well in yourself. Well, I am great and great. Well, you know, um, I've been functioning in the prophetic for a minute, and I wanted to get a conversation out about the prophetic and looking at the prophets in biblical time, because I am in an inquiry as I begin to take on um, issues around social justice, and I am finding some things with the prophets in and around social justice. Let me yes. ask you something. Um, when, we, when you look into the scriptures, um, mm-hmm. how are you beginning to understand the prophets and the prophetic in your studies? 
Well, Master Prophet, in my studies, uh, looking at all of the, you know, the prophets, you know, from uh, the time of Moses all the way up until even the New Testament times, I realized that the um, the flow of the prophetic has taken a very great change as far as um, the people of God and the concern for the people of God. I really see that now people are more driven you know, to the prophets opposed to being, you know, in a way or being scared of the prophets. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I realized that uh, even in the Old Testament uh, that people feared the prophet. They feared for their lives. You know, they feared, you know, that um, when the prophet came, you know, regardless of whether it was the priest or whether it was the scribe or whether it was, you know, just whoever. But when the prophet came, there was something that caused that individual, that nation, that city, that town, you know, to be in a way, you know, uh, kings, princes, you know, those in high authority, you know, not only feared the prophet, but they respected the prophet. Mm-hmm. And I realized that in this day and hour that many people are not, you know, respecting the office like it should be. Um, the office, of course, you know, um, and, you know, this time we have people, you know, that misappropriate you know, the office and they misuse the office, you know, for, for whatever reasons. But God has, you know, prophets, you know, that he speaks to. He has them, you know, as um, ha- has them, excuse me, has them uh, uh, as individuals, you know, that still is able to collaborate from mm-hmm. heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. So I really feel like in this hour that, again, the respect for the prophetic, you know, for the prophet and the prophetic office has certainly been disrespected. Um, it has not been, it's not being honored the way it's supposed to be. And I really feel that, um, you know, the prophetic ministry needs to reshape itself. The prophetic in itself needs to be reshapened because a lot of people have become parrots opposed to being prophets. Wow. 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 Now, um, before I get more into that, tell the people about your, um, I know people don't like talking about this, but give the people just so that they can get the world about who you are. And again, this is Apostle Roger Callens. This is okay. Apostle Roger Callens. Um, and this is going to be very, very, very powerful. And um, tell them about your educational background. Well, for starters, um, I am um, I am a I am a man of God. I'm a young preacher. I'm actually 39 years old, uh, soon be 40. Um, I've been saved all my life. Uh, ever since I was actually seven years old, I came to the Lord. Um, as far as my educational background, um, I am a seminarian. Uh, I'm actually an apologist and an instructor with the Christ Theological Seminary here in New York. Um, I also attended the Union Theological Seminary, the New York Theological Seminary, the Abolture Bible Institute and Theological Seminary in Scottsboro, Alabama. Um, As far as my degrees, um, I do have my bachelor's in theology. I have my master's in divinity, my master's in religious science. I have my doctorate in theology, doctorate in sacred theology, and I'm actually pursuing now my Ph.D. in religious studies. Wow. So um, I do have a, um, you know, I have a, of course, I have several honorary doctorate divinity degrees. And um, I really thank God, you know, for the, um, the opportunity and time that I um, had, you know, to uh, expand my um, studies in, you know, in theology, sacred studies, because I really felt, you know, coming out of a Pentecostal and an apostolic um, background, you know, that, um, you know, they, they condemned it more than appreciated. <laughs> uh-huh. 
and they often call it the seminary, the cemeteries. Right. And uh, but I really feel when the scripture says in Second Timothy two fifteen, a study to show thyself approved. Uh, you know that that is a um, it is essential, especially in this <clears throat> in this day and hour. You know, there's so much that's being you know that's that's being um, you know, coming across the pulpits. You know, and when you have apologists and you know and theologians and scholars, you know, who have who have mastered the sacred texts and the holy writ. You know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't add up. You know, so I really felt even as a young preacher um, that it would be wise for me, you know, to um, you know enhance my studies and you know, and I really thank God that it's you know it's it's, it's paying off you know, as time goes on. Wow, wow, wow! Yes. Now mm-hmm. you also um, have taken up a little bit of Hebrew because I remember when you came to my house and sat with me, you were just wowing me around about the Word of God. <laughs> what made you study um, Hebrew as one of the ancient languages? Well, the reason why I did um, study Hebrew and mastered it is because uh, understanding that the sacred writ and the holy text is actually in its original language, which is Hebrew. Um, you know, or Keon or classic Hebrew, you know, so of course, uh, we have what you call a transliteration or translation of what was in its original context and in its original language. So again, words that we, you know, we read in the whole Old Testament, even in the New Testament, you know, um, the depth of it has certainly another, um, have another definition and that the definitives of the wordings plays a great emphasis on us understanding the text in its original context. So I really felt, you know, for me to be authentic, to make sure that my preaching and teaching, you know, is certifiable, that it would be wise, you know, not to take it from a, you know, from a Western or even an Eastern, rather more so a Western um, way of speaking. But I, I felt like it would be better for me to enhance my studies in its original language and its original context so that I, you know, as a preacher would be able to, you know, um, teach the word of God in its fullness and in its truth. Mm. So, um, you know, Hebrew, Hebrew is, um, it's not hard to understand. Uh, it's not hard to even learn, you know, but it takes, it takes a great amount of patience, you know, for you to, uh, understand it. And uh, not only that, but, you know, it, it can be very fun. You know, it can be very fun because it's like when you read, you know, the, uh, say the King James Version, the 1611 Authorized King James Version, you know, opposed to other versions, you know, like the Amplified Version or even the ESV versions or various versions, most time those uh, scholars and those who actually put those um, translations together actually got it from its original, um, you know, from the original language. You know, so if it was, you know, good enough for scholars like them, you know, to master masterfully, um, you know, do their homework, you know, and uh, pull out the um, original uh, words and uh, their their meanings, you know, that I think any preacher, you know, should take some time out and, um, you know, and understanding, you know, the, um, the language of God. Certainly Hebrew is the language of God. Wow. Now, you know, I'm getting ready to go back to school. Well, I'm not getting ready back. I'm back in school. I'm working on my D-men at Virginia Union. I just finished my, my Master's of Divinity there, and okay. I went right into a um, D-men program, and I'm mm-hmm. 60 years of age. And um, yes. would you say that a person is never too young to go to school and never too old to go to school? No, um, it's never too, you're never too old. You're never too young. You know, um, God is a God, you know, he's omniscient, you know, he is, um, you know, he's all wise and all knowing. And I really, I really feel that 
as time goes on, you know, that um, one should want to enhance their knowledge and their education, you know, um, and master the scriptures. You know, um, the more deep you go, the more revelation God can reveal to you. The less revelative you are, the less revelant you'll be. You know, so I really feel that a person, you know, especially one that um, is a, you know, a bishop, an archbishop as yourself and a person that has been in ministry, you know, um, the sky is the limit, mm. you know, and I really feel like uh, even when an individual, you know, goes to seminary or goes to any theological institution, your job is to make sure that you're authentic. You want to be authentic. <clears throat> You know, you don't want to go in ignorance. You don't want to waste your time, you know, but you want to make sure that when you're going there, you're going there for a purpose and a reason. So I always admonish from the youngest to the greatest, even as myself, you know, um, that seminary, you know, um, uh, is something that should be considered. Uh, Bible schools should be something to be considered because it's not going to break you. It's going to make you. It's going to answer you. You know, and anything that you put your mind to, especially to make you a better preacher, a better minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, I, I am all for it. Yes. I am all for it. You know, um, and for those of you that's listening, I'm speaking to Bishop Roger Callens that is um, with us here on this particular podcast here on Propacology. Now, one of the things, Bishop, um, as we're beginning to look at the prophetic, I have begun to take on study now, now, this is interesting. This is what I'm discovering, is that mm-hmm. study has become a part of my worship. And, yes. and recently, I was in Israel, and my first stop was to the um, Samuel's tomb. Yes. And when I went there, Samuel's tomb, um, I didn't know what I was expecting. I walked down into some steps, and um, mm-hmm. my wife went where the women were at, and I was at where the men were at. And then I saw all of these books around me. And then I went, my next stop was to the Wailing Wall. Um, Some don't like to call it the Wailing Wall, so they call it the Western Wall. So Mm -hmm. I went to the Western Wall and went there for prayer. And then I went um, inside the Western Wall. But when I walked up upon the Western Wall, I saw nothing but books, 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 books. Yes. Why is books seemingly a central part of Hebrew um, culture, or even around prayer, there's books. You know, you think at an altar, when you go to a Pentecostal church, you won't even find a book on the altar, Holly. And if you do, it's maybe yes. one a Bible. <laughs> but when you get to the Western Wall, it's nothing but a plethora of books. And every place I went that was a place of prayer and contemplation, it was filled with books, like it was a library there. What is that all about? Well, um, one of the reasons why, um, even in Judea, uh, Judaism, that books are <clears throat> books are such of an importance because it retains ancient knowledge, ancient wisdom, and ancient understanding, you know, from the predecessors and for those that uh, were, um, you know, were rabbis and, you know, and of course, we you know, we're a part of the rabbinical court. You know, mm-hmm. in, in Judaism, you know, you have three major sects. You have, you know, the, um, you know, you have um, the Hasidic, you have Eskenazi, you know, you have the Orthodox, you know, uh, Judaism. And so in each one of those, um, uh, those uh, communities, if you will, um, there is a, there, there, there is what you call a retaining of knowledge. They call it a parike. And what happens is, is that 
with the um, the you know the rabbinic court, the rabbis, and various ones that are scholarly. You know how they were able to retain a lot of their wisdom, knowledge, and you know, and even their understanding. Um, they were writing it. You know, they were writing it. You know, and a lot of the Talmudian. You know, and mm -hmm. those who were masters. You know, with um, you know, uh, their court, you know, their studies, you know, um, it was something that even like in the Old Testament, you know, it was supposed to be passed down from generation to generation, from generation to generation. So when you go to the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall and you see all of these books, those books are, are containing, of course, the Torah, you know, and uh, at the same time, the Pentateuch is there and you have various commentaries you know, from, you know, uh, ancient um, scholars and rabbis that have long passed, you know, where they actually would have their, what's called um, their, um, it's, um, there's a word that they tend to use called pasadie or pasad. And what happens is all of these, um, or even in the Mishnah, you know, you have various teachings, you know, that will, um, are, that are there so that it keeps a structure. It keeps structure. Um, there's laws, there's principles, there's statute judgments, you know, um, that, uh, that are there so that it doesn't deviate them, you know, from doing other things as well as um, making sure that their prayers, you know, um, uh, their um, meditations, um, you know, uh, the uh, Shema, you know, and various things, you know, is there. So, so everything, everything is at the tip of their fingers. There's nothing there that they'll lack. What they need is what is presented there, um, you know, from from uh, from the from the uh, the older to the youngest, from the youngest to the oldest. You know, everything is there. And if you ever notice um, during the time of the feasts of the Lord, um, especially during the Day of Atonement, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, as well as um, uh, what is that? Um, yes. uh, even a feast of tabernacle Sukkot, uh -huh. you will find that a lot of the children, especially uh, young, 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 uh, young, young boys, young uh, teenagers, you know, um, and their fathers and grandfathers and uncles and you know any of the Benhurudins, they are there because, of course, their teachings is being passed from generations to generations, and all of those things are found at the Western Wall, at the Wailing Wall, you know, so that uh, that is a centrical for prayer, for meditation, and for study. Everything is right there. So it's a very ancient, holy place where if you can't get anything from any of the Talmudians uh, or the institutions that are in Yerushalayim, you will find out that um, most of them will, um, you know, they will go there, you know, for their private studies. Wow and wow. For those of you that are listening, I'm talking to Bishop Roger Callens, and uh, we're here doing this very first podcast. Now, um, Bishop, we have about 10 minutes left, but um, yes. I'm reminded of a scripture in Numbers chapter 12 mm -hmm. and verse 6, and it says, and he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. And then, of yes. course, he says, my servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches. And 
the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Yes. Now, um, when God speaks to a prophet, he says, the Lord seemingly will make himself known unto the prophet and and to make known there is like to reveal information to him in a vision and a dream. Why would you think that God will make himself known unto prophets in visions and in dreams? Well, the reason in which um, the Almighty will reveal reveal to himself in visions and in dreams is because oftentimes God tends to reveal, of course, the prophetic in itself is spiritual, and because God is a spirit, he, done, he, do, he tends to do things in a spiritual aspect. He does things in a spiritual way. So the reason in which God will oftentimes reveal uh, you know, himself to the prophet in a dream or even in a, um, a vision, if you will, is only because of the fact that he wants to make himself known to, his, you know, to, to the prophet, to um, it's, it's less distraction. Mm. Um, there's a lot of distractions, and oftentimes God tends to reveal things to pro- prophetically in dreams and in visions to prevent distractions, wow. um, as well as for, as well as clarity. God makes Himself very evident and very clear in vision and in dreams, as well as when He does it, when He tends to do it in vision and dreams. This is a way of the prophet also being. It's, it's almost like if you're being branded. God tends to brand, you know, brands himself in vision and in dreams, reveals, manifests, and make known his will, his purpose, you know, his uh, motives to the prophet without distraction. So God, the, the prophet is able to see it in his, in his fullness and his clearness, and when he sees it in his fullness and in his clearness, there's no distractions, there's no altering, and when he makes himself known, when he makes himself known to the prophet, he does it in a way that there, again, is no distractions as well as he's able to uh, reveal it to him or her in such a way that he expects the prophet to fulfill the purpose just the way he revealed it and showed it to him. Wow. You know, I love what you said here about removing the distractions. So when God gets ready to speak to a prophet, oftentimes he will communicate to him where the where the noise ceases. That's right. Wow, I and like the quiet. And the quiet. Now, um I like something in Job and I know I'm jumping all over the scriptures here. In Job 33 and 15 and this was prompted to me as you were just saying that. And mm-hmm. it reads, and I know that um, this is amazing. You just talk like this while you're, dr- you're, you're, you're driving in a car? Yes, I am, Bishop, yes. <laughs> Here you are. Driving in a car, I can't even tell. It sounds like you're sitting down in your library, but this is just rolling off of you. It's just rolling off of your tongue. So yes. in Job 33, verse 15, I'll read it. It says, in a dream, mm-hmm. in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instructions Mm. that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. So I thought about that verse of scripture in um, Job 33 
and mm-hmm. 17. What do you yes. think about that, that God seals instructions in us while we are in visions of the night and while dreaming is taking place? Well, um, well, before I, before, before I um, would, uh, let me see something. Before I, okay, can I make, sure. do, you have a, do you have an amplified version of the Bible? Um, yes, uh, let me go ahead and get um, my amplified yes. version up. Um, yes, I do. Okay, and I want you also, uh, Bishop, to get the, uh, in, uh, the ESV version. Okay. The American Standard Version. Okay, and I have now that. You just read. You just read the King James Version, but now we want to just what you call, as they say, we we want to marinate it. Yes. And if you read the Amplified Version, I um, if you if you will allow yes. me, I um, I can, can you read that? I can read that for you now. It says, okay. Then he opens the ears of men and ah. seals their instructions, terrifying them with warnings that he may withdraw man from his purpose and cut off pride from him, disgusting him with his own disappointing self-sufficiency. Okay. And then then in, in the English Standard Version, it says, then he opens the ears of men and terrifies them with warnings that Mm -hmm. he may turn man aside from his deed and conceal pride from a man. That's right. Now, when you look at this text, this text is um, is very, it's very, it's very. Um, <laughs> that that text, I, I like the King James version, but I tend to like the Amplified version better because when the Lord puts you to sleep, you know, mm-hmm. when you're sleeping and you're in a solitary place, especially in sleeping, you know, you don't have any again interference. But then if you notice in the text, it said it will kill pride. In other words, it's not of your doing. The things that's being made yeah. manifest to you is not of yourself. The way it is detailed to you, the way it is actually spoken to you, the way it's broken down to you, the way it is explicitly, again, detailed to you is, is not of yourself. You know, one thing about the prophet that I like about, you know, that I like so much is that, you know, the prophets, you know, are individuals that will, that tend to reveal and expose things that no one knows. But you and God, oftentimes you don't even know it. It's 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 like God just pulling covers, pulling covers, pulling covers. So even when the Lord deals with the person, you know, God has to one number number one, He has to trust you first. One thing He has to, He has to trust you, yes. and the reason why He has to trust you is because He wants to make sure that whatever He speaks, however it, or whatever you know, whatever He reveals, whatever He speaks is going to be delivered as He has revealed it and as He has instructed you, as He has revealed it and as He has instructed you. And see, at the same time, if you read, if you read the first verse again, can you read that in the, in the Amplified Version again? In the Amplified Version, sure. Yes. It says, then he opens the ears of men. Okay, now, when that word, that word open, if you look at it in its original context, when it says, and he has opened the ears of men, there's something about the, the ear of the natural man and the ear of a spiritual man. Oftentimes, when God opens the ear of the, of the, of the natural man, all right, that ear is to, to actually hear his surroundings. But then the Bible said there's a sound in the gold. There is something, there's a noise. There is a sound when God talks. And oftentimes when God talks in that sound, he tends to not 
speak from the outside inside. He speaks from the inside outside. Okay, can I just share something here? Now, I, yes. I have the logos, so I am not a Hebrew scholar. But yes. when I click on the word, then he openeth the ears. That openeth is um, the Hebrew word gela. Gela, yes. Gela which mm-hmm. means to reveal or to, to be reveal. known or to make perceive. Right. So again, now if you, and now if you use that now, okay, I like that you use that galah or galah. And what happens is when you use that term to reveal or to, or to, uh, to make, to make known or to make, or to rather manifest. Mm. Now we use, and we use those definitions in the text when, and and uh, the, uh, that that text says, and uh, I don't have my Bible in front of me. I'm, yeah. I'm more able to, you know, to to move move when it, it, my Bible's in front of me. But yes. if you said, and he and he openeth, yes, the ears. Now, if we if we if we take that word, he revealeth, and he revealeth, make known, and to gala manifest, manifest what? What's it, what is what is what is after that 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 text? He openeth, then he openeth the ears of men. And sealeth their instructions. Okay, in now the King he James. openeth. Yeah. He manifests, he reveals, he makes known, and he unmasks. Oh. What else? And and um see he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instructions that he may withdraw man. Sealeth sealeth their instructions. Yeah. Now I want you to look at now if you if because I don't I, I'm not I'm, yeah. if you if you take that word seal in the Hebrew is what seal in the Hebrew is hatam 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 right now if you look at that word hatam that, that when I, what is the it's definition of hatam seal sign a document with a personal seal or signature stamp. Ah, so what happens is, is that when God, <laughs> come on down. I, I, I really wish I wasn't on the phone in the car. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but what happens is now, now we are, see, this is why Hebrew is such a wonderful and adventurous experience, because now we understand and we see the depthness and, and, the, and the, the broadness and, you know, such a wonderful, you know, um, experience and seeing what God is really saying to us in the original language. Well, listen, so can now, you hold on a moment? Let yes. me end this podcast and let me bring you up and we're going to do another one, part two. Okay. okay. Stay yes. tuned. We'll mm-hmm. be right back. And thank you for listening. And um, this is with Apostle Roger Callen. We're going to bring him up again for another yes. podcast. This is really opening up. This is what happens when you have a Hebrew scholar on the line. <laughs> All right. God Wonderful. bless you. God bless you. To keep in touch with Master Prophet E. Bernard Jordan, go to www.bishopjordan.com and follow him on all social media platforms. To get more information about the Prophetology Conference and or more special events, go to www.zoeministries.com or call 888-831-0434. Thank you and stay blessed.